welcome to another episode of uh, Pillow Talk Talk with Kenzie and Spencer. (laughs) Um, Kenzie, we got a special episode, I think, today, which I think is good because uh, we're almost at 1,500 followers, and by followers, I mean listens. That's very different, (laughs) but I'm excited. Guess I'm watching too much Instagram stuff. Anyway, um, Kenzie, first off, I do want to thank our audience just for listening to our podcast, Passing Stones with John and Spencer, and also this edition of that in this Pillow Talk series. And we're, I don't know, I just feel really grateful for all of that. I know it doesn't seem like much, but it really is. I didn't know how much or how many people this podcast would actually reach, and really I'm sure it's the same people listening over and over. But I am really grateful for that even, and that you guys enjoy, at least pretend to enjoy, listening to us. Yeah. (laughs) So, anyway... Um, with that, we do want to address a listener question tonight from probably our number one fan, which is... <laughs> Allie Haas Smith. Allie Haas Smith, yes. <laughs> her and her husband Tanner have been on the show. Um, they're amazing people. And Allie asked a really cool question uh, on our Instagram that we would love to talk about, and Kenzie has it. Yeah, I'm going to sit up because I've been quiet on the last couple episodes, so hopefully you guys can hear me better. But she wants to know, how to how do you de-escalate a conflict quickly? Um, and I think the reason that she's asking this question to us is because conflict is something that we both studied. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've said it before, like, we definitely aren't experts on conflict, but I think we do have, like, a weird knowledge about conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, we ourselves have a fair amount of conflict. (laughs) Um. Like anybody. Like anybody, but I think we do have a really happy, healthy, overall marriage and relationship and friendship and whatever. No? No, we do. My glasses are fogging up. Your glasses are fogging up Yeah, it's super hot in here. (laughs) (laughs) But... (laughs) I thought you were giving me, like, a weird look, like... Do we? <laughs> no, I think we have a really happy marriage. I just have some foggy glasses, and it's a little, a uh, little much. But anyway. Okay. So, <laughs> how do we de-escalate conflict quickly? Cause I'm trying to think. Um, I wanted to record this one a couple days ago because we did have a pretty big conflict, and I huh. can't. Do you I can't even remember it? I know I can't either, <laughs> and I. I've been trying so hard to, like, keep it in mind, like, what happened. Because I just remember getting, like, really offended, mad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is a really good podcast. So great. <laughs> um, well. Material. But basically, like, something was said. I was really hurt because I took it a weird way. And then I couldn't even, like, talk about it because I was just so upset and frustrated. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? I remember you being upset and frustrated. I don't remember what it was about. I don't either. But, I mean, things like that happen a lot. I think one yeah. of our big conflicts uh, that we had pretty recently, a few weeks ago, was about buying a house and, like, what we needed for that. And you got super overwhelmed with it, and I was a little bit yeah. more gung-ho. And that, I think, was kind of frustrating. But because I think we came to these misunderstandings. And then that's where I think is the real kicker in all of this. 
to me, what I think when it comes to de-escalating a conflict, it's first really important to understand what escalates it in the first place. Right. So, to me, like, when I... For me, I don't know if this is for everyone. I'm assuming. I, I, I think I'm a pretty average person. But, to me, it becomes, like, with misunderstanding is usually going to lead to anger because anger is a secondary emotion. And it usually stems from the things that we don't understand or can't explain clearly or can't, you know, like we don't have the language for it. And so we're angry and more frustrated even at ourselves for not being able to understand it than we actually are with our partner or in the relationship. But what's hard is when you don't understand what you're trying to say, your partner doesn't understand what they're trying to say or understand what it is that you're conveying. So then you start escalating really quickly, mm. or you don't feel like you're heard, or things like that. So I think when you kind of understand where you're coming from, then you can kind of start that de-escalation process. As far as getting it done quickly, that's kind of, uh, it's tough. It's hard, and I think that it takes a lot of practice and a lot of opportunities. Like Yeah. Because um, I know for us, with... The buying a house situation, we'll talk about that one, because that one, we have an actual example. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, we were just talking about it normally, and then you had said something that I didn't understand. And so I felt incompetent and insecure, because I am an adult, like, mm-hmm. not that I should know how to buy a house, but, like, I should at least be able to have a conversation about it. Like, where we're at financially mm-hmm. and where we need to be. And for whatever reason in that moment, I didn't feel like I could talk about it. Um, and it did lead to anger, but like you said, that's a secondary emotion. So deeper beneath that, it was insecurity um, and just feeling stupid. Like, mm-hmm. I felt really stupid in that moment. And then I couldn't express that, which Mm -hmm. is even more frustrating. And so it escalated really quick. And then to de-escalate it, I think I just started crying. And you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, clearly this isn't a good time to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Like, we both need to calm down. Um, And so we did. Like, I think one of us came upstairs and just, like, we just were separated. For a little bit. Quick thing. Not legally separated. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't a trial separation. We just had to be apart in the same house. (laughs) But we just needed to step away from each other. Yeah. So that we could, yeah, just Mm kind of take a breather. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what works for us. Another thing that Spencer's really good at that I think helps de-escalate conflict is he will... Um, when I'm really upset, he'll give me time, because that's usually what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he'll just come up to me and, like, give me a hug, and usually I don't hug him back, and or I'll, like, push him <laughs> away and be like, I don't want that. Like, that's the last thing I want right now. Like, I, for whatever reason, I don't know. You're like, processing I don't deserve still. it. Um... And then it's usually a, hey, I'm really sorry. Like, I don't, I didn't mean to upset you. Like, I see that you're hurt and mm-hmm. frustrated, and I get that. And, like, I'm here to talk. Mm-hmm. But another thing I love that you do 
is that every time we have a conflict, after a couple of minutes, he'll just be like, um, do you still love me? <laughs> and pretty often, I feel like I'm honest, like, yes, I do still love you. Right now, I'm really frustrated with you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that makes you feel, but I feel like at least we're on the same page. Like, you know where I'm at emotionally. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I think as far as giving some tools for de-escalation as well, like, that's stuff that we're doing. But here is something that I kind of, to break it down a little bit and use maybe a sports analogy, I've been getting really into combat sports again, and I really do enjoy, um, first off, the UFC, but I also am starting to enjoy boxing a lot more. But the thing that I kind of realized within boxing, for example, is that it is way more of a marathon. That sure, you can get early round knockouts and things like that, but boxing can go, I think, up to 15 rounds, which is long. long. Yeah, that is long, and it is exhausting work, and it's a ton. And I think that in conflict, to me, I think winning isn't necessarily a knockout or even a TKO. I feel like when you're doing that, you're you're being kind of selfish in that sense. You're defending yourself completely, right? Like, you're only, you're going to be attacking, you're more aggressive, you're on that. Whereas if you're going the distance and you're focusing more on that, mm-hmm. so you're less worried about the speed, but you're more worried just about each individual round that you're going into, that individual conflict that you can kind of analyze, that you can go into, and you're only focusing on finishing out that round. And you aren't necessarily, which is different, and of course, than boxing. In this case, you're a boxer that's not going for the knockout. You're just going for the distance. And in the end, not even necessarily a draw, but almost just like a no contest. That's how I feel like you really win in a conflict. Both people met what they wanted. They got their expectations. They got their needs. And that's something big. So I think as far as tools go that establish that, step number one, I think, is you and your partner establishing rules together. The rules of the fight, essentially. Like, in boxing, you can't rabid punch. There's certain... Like, you aren't supposed to punch in the hold. That's dirty boxing. And you want to establish rules, like, areas that you cannot punch at all. Like, boundaries. Yeah, exactly. You have to set up the boundaries from where you're going to be at. So that when you do get into a conflict, you already know the rules of it. So you aren't guessing at those and making it even worse and getting even more angry and escalating even more. You know the rules and the boundaries that your partner has. Part of that is going to include, I think, another tool, which is going to be vulnerability. Yeah. So you have to be open with your partner, and you have to let them in. Well, you have to be open with yourself, too. Exactly. Because if you're feeling anger, and you're not willing to, like, dig deeper, like, okay, what in this moment, like, like, why is this, what's this anger stemming from? Mm Mm-hmm. But, really quick, to go back to your first step, um, I'm just curious what our boundaries are. I think a really good example was in uh, that home buying thing where you and I had to take kind of like a separation break from each other. That when we notice things are kind of at a standstill where it's almost more, not even like a screaming match, but of we're we're stalled, we're in a stalemate, like mm-hmm. something needs to change. We decide that we take a break from each other, right? That you go upstairs or I go upstairs, you go downstairs. And we do some self-care, I think, as well, to try to de-escalate ourselves. Like, take care of ourselves. For me, it's honestly sometimes just watching YouTube videos. Other times, it might be something like I pray or I just try to lay down. I try to close my eyes. I'm just trying to relax. And for you, I think 
something that's kind of hard is when you start doing that, I think you start beating up on yourself more. <laughs> so that's kind of hard in that sense, because then yeah. it's just escalating things even more. But essentially, I think that's our good rule, though, is that we can separate from each other for a minute. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, or, I mean, figurative minute, right? Like, it could be a while. <laughs> yeah. But that does help us essentially get the results that we're looking for. And... I think that that is a good boundary that we have. I think other boundaries that we have, I think that we know each other enough to know the buttons that we shouldn't push. And we don't do that. Yeah. And we try our best not to make the other one feel incompetent. But that's where I think where you're going with that um, open with yourself. Mm-hmm. I think another thing, or another rule, once you have those boundaries set up, and once you're being vulnerable and you're ready to be open with each other... One, it can lead to a lot of heartache. Like, when you're being open, even though you might have the rule, people can break the rule. So you can have your heart broken. unknowingly. Yeah. Absolutely. But that's the hope, is that you're at least being vulnerable enough so that they do know it and you let them in, because that's the only way I think that you're going to get through it. Yeah. Next, though, I think the most important rule to establish for anybody is that you need to shift from wants essentially to needs and principles okay so i think that for example the most common thing is like the dishes right i want my spouse to do the dishes i'm sick and tired of being the only one doing them something like that right yeah so i think when you dig deeper it's often not about those dishes that's your want but what do you need out of that do you need your spouse or do you need to feel better, I think, heard by your spouse? Like, if you're asking, do you want to feel heard? Do you want them to feel like we're an integral part of a team together, right? That we have this teamship and this camaraderie that we're working together on something, right? We're trying to keep a house clean. We're trying to maintain this. And we're in it together. Do you want them to take more responsibility, Is it other things you think that build up? And so then when the dishes are there, are you even more stressed out? Mm -hmm. So I think when you can kind of shift from those wants, which are usually just going to lead to kind of petty arguments, to focusing on your needs and then approaching it from that standpoint, it becomes a lot better. And even just saying, listen, I really need you to do the dishes because I feel like I'm the only one pulling this right now. And I just really need to feel like I'm being heard and that you're as interested in being as responsible as me in this. And it might lead to something more, who knows. But I think it'll help you discover more about yourself so that you're more ready to be even more vulnerable and establish even more ground together. Yeah. So I hope I'm not just speaking in circles there. But then I think the next thing is going to be ownership. You have to take accountability for your part in a conflict that you can't just keep blaming on the other person. Blame is pretty bad. But taking ownership for it and inviting the other person to take ownership for their part is going to be a lot better and in just being accountable to yourself and to the relationship. Mm -hmm. And then I think the next thing, um, honestly, is just the communication part. I think you got to communicate it out. You've got to start using the words. And even if that means that some anger is coming up, you know, same thing, go back to your rules, go back to the boundaries that you've set and try to like process through it. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And then finally, the last step to me is going to be acceptance. So you have to accept, not necessarily the outcome, like you don't have to just be okay with something, right? But you do have to accept that conflict happens and that things are going to be there and that 
when you kind of come into that and you start to accept it and you can accept that, all right, like this is the outcome that we're going for. These are the goals that we have. And I'm going to accept this essentially, right? Like this is what we're going to accept together. And you can kind of start to dissolve things from there and kind of de-escalate and work toward a common goal. And at that point, I think it becomes a lot easier to start really from there. I think all of that is just leading to a process. I don't necessarily know what an end of conflict looks like. I really don't. But I do think that good collaboration, meaning that both people can get their needs, even if they seem like they're contradicting, is going to lead off with those type of things. That's something that my conflict teacher taught me. He actually called it vocab. And it's kind of out of order to me, but I think it can vary to everything. But V for vulnerability, O for ownership, C for communication, A for acceptance, B for boundaries. And to me, that's kind of the process of conflict and communication and conflict Mm -hmm. and how we can start to get our needs met as a relationship and not just individuals. Right, because I think a lot of people, when they experience conflict, their first thought is like, okay, we need to compromise. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I took conflict in college that I realized that that's not great. Like, that's still... Somebody wins, somebody loses in that mm-hmm. conflict. And so, like, Spence is talking about, like, the goal is to collaborate. The goal is to come together, like, what is our mutual goal? What is our mutual need in this moment? And what can we do to work on it together to get to that thing? Like, what are our options? Mm-hmm. And just really working together, um, yeah, to reach that outcome. And not... I mean, you had a couple different teachers who had different viewpoints on collaboration that one thought that you, there was always an opportunity to collaborate in a conflict, Mm -hmm. whereas another one thought that that wasn't always a possibility. Like, sometimes you do need to compromise or whatever, and, like, that's okay. Um, But something that I've noticed with us is that we'll have these, I mean, still pretty big conflicts, Mm-hmm. But the more that we have them, the more I realize that it's, we're in this pattern of, um, oh my gosh, I don't even remember. I'm so tired right now. I think we call that a pattern of guilt, where both of us almost just want to feel guilty about something. Right. Yeah. And so whenever we have a conflict, like, we have this pattern where I want something and Spencer doesn't want want it because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And then I feel really bad and guilty because I made him feel like he's not doing enough mm-hmm. in the relationship or whatever. And so then he feels bad, so he gives in because I'm feeling bad. And then I feel bad that he gave in, and I'm like, no, I don't even want it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like that's... I don't know. That's our pattern. Yeah. And it's not great um it's something that we are working on kind of right like every time we have a conflict but um I think I really liked all your vocab points Mm -hmm. and I think that every relationship is different and not all conflicts are going to be resolved for sure and that's okay like and Mm -hmm. it's okay to have conflict Because I know a lot of people really stress out when they're like, oh, we've been fighting. Which, okay, yeah, like, couples fight. We're two completely different people Mm -hmm. trying to come together and, like, 
be a team, but that's mm -hmm. not always gonna happen, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's healthy to have conflict. It's when people stop fighting for the relationship, like. That's where it gets scary. That's where, yeah, if you're in like dangerous territory, like maybe go see a professional. Yeah. That can give you tools specific to like your needs. Um, but I guess going, also going along with spe specific to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to like each couple's needs in our relationship, most of the time when we have a conflict, like I need to sleep on it because I got, we got mm -hmm. so much advice like, oh, never go to bed angry. Like if you're angry when you go to bed, just like go, go to, to bed, bed naked. naked. <laughs> Okay. You can still be naked and angry. I want to point that out. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe that was good advice in their relationship, but for me, I need to sleep on it. Right. And I feel... You need to like, process it till the morning. Yeah. When mm -hmm. I'm tired, I know that I'm going to escalate a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel a lot dumber. And yeah. like, which is going to make me more insecure. And... So, I think that there are little things that you need to learn about yourself mm -hmm. and about your partner that, um, and that's fine. Like, it took you a little bit, and I think even still, you have a hard time just, like, accepting that I need to sleep on it, and you'll be up all night stressing yeah. about it, but yeah. I don't know. Um, well, so that same teacher, the one that taught... Uh, that it doesn't always have to be collaboration. Mm -hmm. I liked what she explained a lot better <laughs> in shifting our stance, because so in conflict, there's usually these styles. There's the avoidance, accommodation, dominance, collaboration, and compromise. It's not dominance, it's competitive. Compe it's either, I've heard it in both ways. Okay. It's you're dominating the conversation, you're competitive, you're competing, okay. right? So that's what you're trying to do. So, um, anyway... The point of it is just that she shifted those from your style to your strategies. Okay. So, the strategy is different to me in that it shows that some of them are valuable just depending on the situation, right? Mm -hmm. So, if you're, for an example, in an abusive relationship, that's a type of conflict, right? And in that situation, your best strategy isn't necessarily going to be to collaborate with your abuser. When it comes to your safety and, like, especially your physical safety... You kind of need to be competitive. You really need to be dominant in that and set your standards to help you or a loved one even get out of a bad situation. Yeah. To where that is a good strategy to have, right? Case in point with you, I think in a conflict, the ultimate goal to me is still that collaboration. But that is for like those really, really important decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think in that, sometimes avoidance is actually a really good way to get into it. Only in this. Yeah. Avoiding it, not the way you're not thinking about it anymore when you go to sleep or when you're, like, waking up. Like, I think you can still think about the conflict and try to process through it on your own. But avoiding it with the other person for a minute. Just taking a beat and just trying your best, you know, to make the situation a little bit better in your own head. And to calm yourself down. Like, taking a beat to avoid it is a good strategy sometimes in those important things. Yeah. And then in other times, you know, say it's something that actually is kind of, like... I think every couple, when it comes to going out to eat, is going to have an issue. 
and it's kind of a conflict. But what do you want to eat? I don't know. Okay, let's go here. Okay, I don't want to go there. <laughs> and so it kind of goes back and forth. And it's both people. Like, I know for us, it's both of us. Yeah. Oftentimes. So I think that with that, you know, that's really not a life or death situation. And it's probably going to be okay to compromise and not have to take two hours or more to try to do this collaboration right. thing. But I think that on those important decisions, where you're going to live, for example, what are your standards going to be? Like, I really big thing. When do you want to have kids? How many kids do you want to have? How are we going to raise our kids? Is it cool if they're, like, you know, are we going to let them do whatever it is that they want to do as far as faith goes? Like, it's kind of interesting when you kind of get into those, for sure. Those important decisions, I think the only way through them is going to be collaboration to really get the results you want. But in that collaboration, there might be times where you have to be more competitive. There might be times where you're going to have to accommodate a little bit more. There might be times where you're going to have to avoid it for a second and use those different strategies to build up to something better where both of your needs are going to be met. Mm -hmm. And I think vocab helps. I think learning other principles in it and trying to put really just into words something that's so hard to understand and try to find the best language to do so so that you aren't escalating anymore. You can start to de-escalate. And kind of go from there. And I think the other important thing is this concept of scarcity. I think oftentimes we feel that there's this scarcity of time. Mm. So we really want to get something out of the way as quick as possible and just make the decision. Well, also because it's uncomfortable too. Absolutely. Like you, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And sometimes I think there is a time constraint. Like time is a real thing here. Mm -hmm. But I think being able to step aside for a second and say this is something that's going to affect the rest of our lives maybe we can't solve it in two hours maybe we need to do this over the course of you know a year or a month or even more I guess a year is longer than a month that didn't make sense you know <laughs> but it might take a really long time and it's okay to kind of come to that conclusion and say you know what we aren't solving this tonight let's take a beat try to process it and we're going to be totally fine that we have this abundance at that point, yeah. right? Once you can kind of go from that scarcity to abundance, things really open up. Mm -hmm. And I think being able to even just say that, like, I don't even have a scarcity of love for this person. Yeah. I have an abundance of love for this individual. Yeah. And these are all really good tips, I think, for a marriage. Sometimes in a work situation, things are going to shift even more. Like if you're having a conflict with the boss or with somebody else at work, power dynamics really step into those. And mm -hmm. other issues that can kind of throw a wrench into this a little bit. And I think the overall principles are the same, but ultimately situations are going to change. That's something we could talk about Later. maybe another time. Yeah, that's but like a whole other thing. That's organizational communication. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, Ali had an, a second, a part two. Uh-huh. Um, and she wanted to know how to end in, how do you end a conflict on a good note? And I think we've kind of touched on it. Well, my my thought at least mm -hmm. is that sometimes conflict doesn't end on a good note. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you just, it's Spencer saying, hey, do you still love me? And I say yes, because I do. <laughs> but right now, like, I just need some space. Mm -hmm. um, and just knowing, like you said, like, 
com- it's okay to have conflicts go on for longer than like one little period of where you sit down together and talk about it. Like, mm-hmm. um, but just reassuring that like, hey, I'm still in this. Like, we're still a team. Mm-hmm. We're gonna figure it out. Right now, I might be a little angry or whatever, but um, for me, that's a good note. Mm-hmm. Where. I'm okay if you maybe don't like me in that moment because I'm being a brat, (laughs) which you've never said, (laughs) but I'm okay with that just because I know that, like, ultimately you do still love me, and you're in it, and you're willing to fight for this, Mm -hmm. Um, but what do you think? How would you end it on a good note? One thing, not to just get really religious. Do it. Um, I really love in the New Testament, in the, uh, what's in the Book of Mormon, too, when Jesus visits America, but the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says, do good to them who despitefully use you, right? Okay. In other words, I think, pray for your enemies, give something good back to your enemies somehow. When I think of this, I really think about, one, gift-giving, But in a deeper sense, I think that to really end a conflict on a good note, and I don't mean the overall conflict, that's kind of hard, but when you're in it, right, and you're kind of in, like, you know that you don't want to discuss it anymore for that day, maybe tempers are so high, maybe they're not, like, you might be in a more calm state, but I think no matter what that outcome is, whether you're totally angry at the person or you're actually really calm and just grateful that you were able to work through a little part of it that day and you're feeling good and you really like you're feeling that love right Mm -hmm. i think the most important thing is to do at least one small act to make sure that other person does feel love right that they're feeling an outpour of it i think in doctrine and covenants 121 uh in our scriptures (laughs) Mm -hmm. i really like that part that if you do reprimand somebody or if something like that happens, show an outcrease of love to them or an increase increase. in it, right? An outpouring of love. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that's even greater than the reprimand. And I think it's the same thing with the conflict, that if you're really feeling angry, one of the best ways to stop feeling that and to start processing it on your own is to do one just really kind act of service for that person. Whether that is sending them good vibes, like that can be a big act of service. Just even in your mind, if you're praying, if you're a prayerful person, if you're into meditation, if you're just into general positive energy, try your best to send that kind of message out. Like, be really conscious of it and let them know how much you love them. Just say, I love you. Mm -hmm. For me, I think, I know you love a good back tickle and that you love getting your back scratched or just rubbed. So I know that... I can come and scratch your back for a second, even if I'm really angry at you, <laughs> I'm really upset, and I might be breathing through the whole thing, I can rub your back for a second and feel like, I do still love you, this is me telling you, I still really love you, and I'm trying to give you this gift right now. Which is funny, because when you do that, like, I never know that you're angry when you do it. I'm always mm-hmm. angry, and so I'm just like, <laughs> But every time you do it, in my mind, I'm like, okay, like, it, it is just that reassurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me as well. Like, I know that it's reassurance for mm-hmm. you that you still love me. But Yeah. 
But I would say, as far as marital um, or relationship goes, romantic relationships go, when you're having conflict in that, I think the biggest thing is to be sure that you're giving a gift of love somehow. Whatever that looks yeah. like. It might even be like, I got your clothes ready for the next day or something, which I don't know if that's a good gift of love for somebody. Maybe it is. Or it might be, you know, I went and made your favorite snack that you can take to lunch tomorrow or something like that. Like something yeah. in a kind of service. You can know their love language. That's kind of the benefit of being vulnerable with each other. And that's not even, I think, super intense vulnerability. But you know what makes them feel loved. And when you're able to do that and you can just give one expression of love, even if it's done like you're totally angry at them, trying your best to do that one kind act will make a big difference in helping you to de-escalate. So even though the feelings might still be high for the actual conflict, your feelings for the person will just be of love. Yeah. That's so funny that you say that people just know. What's our battery at, by the way? Um, We're about to die. It's 9%. Okay. We're good. We're good. Because um, <laughs> every time I think about that, when we still are a little heated, and I know that it's probably my fault that we're having like conflict or whatever or when I do feel like it is my fault then I'll always be like hey like what can I do for you because I really like I know you really well and I know things that make you happy Mm -hmm. but oh my gosh like I am so bad at serving other people but you never ever answer me well, I think, and so it's really frustrating because yeah. I'm like, I can't, like, I'm not thoughtful <laughs> enough. I can't come up with it on my own. Like, well, it is, it is interesting for me as far as love languages go, but I You're do. You're a little better at it than I am. <laughs> well, no, I think what's hard for me, I, the way I express love is going to be a lot different from the way I want to receive it. I'm not a good gift receiver. I think I am a good gift giver. Okay, but... You're getting gifts and acts of service. You're no, 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 for sure, together. for sure. That's what I'm saying. So, like, that's where I'm saying I struggle with it, right? Because I'm great at giving this. But for me, the greatest gift that people can really give is just words of affirmation, which is probably the hardest thing to do when you're really angry. Yeah, but in just saying, <laughs> well, in just saying 10 things that you really like about me. Ten. It doesn't have to be ten, I guess. <laughs> Apparently, you don't no. like me enough to think of ten things you really like about me. No, I do. But I can just in the moment when I'm feeling hard. angry, like I have it's to come hard. up with ten things. But that's what I'm saying. Giving a gift, I think, is hard. But I'm saying that for me, like the way I feel the most love is just remembering that you still like me. That that's my biggest fear is that people don't like me. And I've been really open about that with a lot of people, but I think especially you. And that's where it's kind of hard because I don't want to receive something. Like, I hate that. I hate receiving, like, certain gifts because it makes me uncomfortable in a certain way. But I really love just feeling like you like me. Like, there are things about, even when you're mad at me, you still like me. And there are things about me that you really like. And it's concrete. And I feel it. So that, to me, is kind of like the greatest gift of love. Like, I love when you just write me a note. Like, that Mm. makes me feel like you really like me. I don't do that enough. Well, I'm I'm just saying, like, in that heat of the moment, like, if I'm upset, I love that you still... Like, there's a note on our fridge still that says, you're still God's greatest gift to me. And that was after a conflict. I don't even remember what it was. It was pretty (laughs) soon after we moved into this house. 
But I look at it still, and it makes me feel, even when I'm really upset or anything like that, like, oh, oh I'm okay, Kenzie good. still likes me. <laughs> I thought you just, like, didn't even know that existed anymore. No, I absolutely know, and I'm sorry I didn't express that fact, but I'm just no, saying it's okay. that... it's a good reminder Those for are me the too. things, like, those are the kind of gifts. Like, I need the words of affirmation probably more than anything. But, yeah. Anyway... Mm-hmm. Think about the gifts that you want to give to your spouse, and I think that, or your or boyfriend, girlfriend, or yeah, anything. I just think that it is big that you need to be open, you need to be vulnerable with it, and you need to kind of do some inter- uh, introspection. But on that, be open with it again to them, and then just try to show some kind of love. Yeah. And I think that you will find not necessarily better overall long term outcomes, but better especially in the short term for de-escalating an intense conversation that's part of a bigger conflict that you can end for a day or two and still feel really good and know that you can be really mad about this conflict and still be really angry and have that misunderstanding and just have that intense emotion yeah and still just be completely in love with the person and want their best interest as well as your own yeah because it's about the conflict it's not about the person yep Separating it from the person into principles Unless and needs. you're with a really crappy person. In which case you need to, like, if they're hurting you emotionally even, like, they're taking big digs at that and being emotionally abusive, then that's the time where you got to dominate and get out of it again. Like, dominant and being competitive, meaning that you're only going for your own needs. Like, yeah. in those abusive situations, that has to be done for sure because you have to keep yourself safe. And you don't need to show that person an increase of love, in my opinion. They don't but deserve it. I don't think so. <laughs> like, an emotionally, verbally, like, an abusive person, like, you d- you don't, I don't want to say the word, but forget politeness. <laughs> and, <laughs> if you listen to My Favorite Murder, you know what Georgia and Karen would say. Yeah. That at that point, you got to do what's best for you, and you have to show love to yourself, and you have to be able to be really healthy. And that's so hard to do, especially because you will still the yeah. person. I don't think that love necessarily has to go away, but the best thing you can do is separate yourself from an abusive situation. Yeah, I feel like that's a whole other conversation that's kind of yeah, out of Yeah, abusive conflicts. <laughs> like, I don't know that we have a ton of... Experience? Not necessarily experience, but just... We don't have the education yeah. on abusive... Because, like, it's way deeper than just, like... Oh, no, it's rooted in conflict. a lot. Like, yeah. like, there's a lot of mental, emotional, physical manipulation yeah. and threats and, like, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't have the tools for that. So please well, that's seek the thing. out a therapist. Absolutely. Like, and these steps, I think, can even help you to understand in a certain way. Like, understanding scarcity versus abundance... A lot of abuse stems from people being, like, in scarcity situations, be it with food, be it with love, be it with, like, anything. Or, like, anything that you need to live, if that's in scarcity, often can lead to abusive behavior. So, I don't know, like, understanding that part of it and where that can stem from can help you for sure. So, I think, like you're saying, go see a therapist, go start to figure it out. And, uh, anyway, I don't know, do you have anything else? Honestly, ever since Ali texted me about this, I've just had so many thoughts, and I don't know that I expressed, like, uh, like two out of ten of them. I have no clue, but for well, now, I'm good. Um, yeah. Also, I don't know if she wants us to, like, say her name on... Like, maybe we should leave it out, but... 
Yeah, text her. I think she'll be okay with it, though. Okay. But ultimately, um, yeah, hopefully this helped. I don't know. We all experience conflict. It's something that Spence and I are still trying to figure out, even though we have these tools. Um, but we do know that it's something that we can work on for our lives. Like, it's not. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. It's enjoying the process of it and not just getting to that outcome. Yeah. But. Or not enjoying, like, conflict <laughs> does suck. Yeah, I guess that's the thing is seeing the beauty in the process. Like, even those really hard parts of it, right? Like, there's still some beauty in that and being able to communicate with another person. Even if it's communicating poorly, it's still beautiful that, like, we have that opportunity to do it. Like, in, like that we are a team and that we have something here and that there is this whole process that we're going through together. Be it bumpy, rocky, whatever else, but we have it and it's our thing. But in any case, um, I think that is probably good for tonight. I'm sure that this went on way longer than people cared for and hopefully yeah. it answered some questions. But until, uh, well, you know what? I don't remember how I end this. I'll just say good night. I love you. <laughs> I think that's how you end it, but I love you too. Good night. <laughs>